Hello, everyone, and welcome back into another fabulous new episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are joined by two fantastic artists. We have the co-director Max Bowdish and the performer Nick Amodio, who are part of Epic Players' presentation of Romeo and Juliet. It's playing November 9th through the 19th at the ART NY Girl Theater. And you can get your tickets and more information by visiting epicplayers.ticketspice.com. This is a fabulous new production of a timeless classic. And I'm sure you're wondering why we're featuring Romeo and Juliet in November. But just wait as our guests will soon unravel that mystery for you. So with that, let's go ahead and welcome on our guests, Max, Nick, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having us. I'm very excited to have the both of you here to be talking about this great new production of a timeless classic, of course, Romeo and Juliet. Yes. I want to start with you, Max, just let's just hit this question and, and and knock it out of the park real fast, just in case anyone out there has no idea about the story. Could you tell us a little bit about what Romeo and Juliet is about? A hundred percent. This is one of my favorite Shakespeare plays. So we have two families in the Italian city of Verona. These two families are feuding. And it is an intense feud that has caused riots in the streets, all sorts of terrible violence in, in the community. And amidst this turmoil, a young person from the Capulet family and another young person from the Montague family fall madly in love with each other. It feels fated to be. It's an instant connection. Of course, these are two very young people who are discovering these emotions for the first time. And in the kind of whirlwind of that passion and that discovery, there seems to be perhaps a hope that a bridge can form between the two families and peace can can come from this uh, this connection. But unfortunately, this is a Shakespearean tragedy. So that does not happen. And the, the two lovers, unfortunately, meet an untimely end. And we as the audience are kind of forced to look at ourselves and at our society and go, you know, why can't such a beautiful thing exist and be what we all support and get excited about? And so that's that's a little bit of, of Romeo and Juliet, obviously Romeo and Juliet being the lovers, the titular lovers. Love that. Yes. Now, Nicholas, I want to bring you in. You're a performer in the show. This mm -hmm. particular iteration of Romeo and Juliet being performed by the Epic Players is different, though, in that it's a neurodivergent production of the show. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. Uh, so our production for Romeo and Juliet, how this is going to be different, how this version is going to be different from other versions is that it's going to be in the Gen Z style. So that means the clothing is going to be different. Ways we would move would be different. And we would have different props for example phones of course would be one of them selfie sticks and and also the usage of social media will take a huge part in the play that is very cool i love personally i love a good modern updated shakespeare story so i love that interpretation of it so max going back to you 
how are you incorporating the idea of neurodivergency into your work? Great question. So Epic Players, who we are, we're a neuro-inclusive theater company. So we showcase and highlight neurodivergent artists and bring in neurotypical identifying artists to create a very diverse and inclusive community to create as cool and professional a production as, as, as we can as a team, right? And kind of switch up people's expectations for what they might be thinking coming into such an inclusive and diverse production. We want to see this become a more familiar experience. I think it is. I think that we're seeing more neurodivergent artists being featured in the world, which is great, but it's, it's just not nearly enough. And so one of our things in our mission and what we've done in this production is to hopefully create a show where you know, you kind of remember after the fact, oh yeah, that was a, a neuro-inclusive production. I wasn't thinking about that when I was watching it. What I was watching was so cool and had me caught up in the story and had me thinking about my own life and about the world around me. And then, wow, what, you know, artists from all sorts of backgrounds with all sorts of support needs can get together and create incredible artwork together. And so that's, that's kind of been our, one of our missions with this show is we want people to walk away feeling like, wow, yeah, more of that, please. That is wonderful. I love that. Nicholas, you are one of our performers in this show. Yes. What has it been like developing this particular iteration of Romeo and Juliet? <laughs> uh, thank you for the question. So, as you know, Shakespeare is challenging due to the Old English, and it can be hard for people who are performing or reading Shakespeare for the first time. So I've done Shakespeare in high school and college. I've read some plays. Yeah, so I would say if you haven't read or performed, it will be hard, but once you get the hang of the language, you start you start speaking it more fluently. And Absolutely. Max Baldish, and Megan have been doing an excellent job with being a director and instructor. Thank you, Max. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Nick. That's awesome, man. I love that. Max, how about you? What has it been like as the co-director developing this piece? Oh my gosh, so awesome. You know, when we first got together as a directing and production team and we were talking about, you know, okay, we want to do this updated Romeo and Juliet, and we really want to focus on Gen Z generation, Gen Z culture, and that kind of grew into how we all use social media and how we all kind of have this public half of our lives that we show folks and that we say, this is how I want to present myself to the world. And then it seems as, you know, technology advances and, you know, these kind of new communication avenues open up, which have really exciting applications and, and kind of things going on with like where, where it could go. There also seems to be this other side of it where, you know, the other half of our lives that we want to keep private, we have to work extra, extra hard <laughs> to keep some of that private, if, you know, if that's important to us. So the more we explored that idea, the more we realized, wow, this concept and Romeo and Juliet, where, you know, we have these two families who are very public and they have the, you know, kind of all these things that they want to show it, the, the greater Verona, who they are. And then privately, they have all these, you know, human problems and complications and big emotions and feelings and discoveries that, you know, 
we can all relate to. And it seems like now in this time of social media where all of this is happening and we're all kind of split in this duality of public and private, Romeo and Juliet feels really relevant. So unpacking that, because that was kind of the the seed. And and as you know, we've kind of been growing this production, there are just more layers to consider. And so the production, you know, at least in my mind, began as pretty direct and pretty minimalist. <laughs> it, it, it's grown from beyond that. We are certainly in a kind of an abstract social media space, but we've really tried to include, kind of like Nick said, you know, all of these extra elements and multimedia elements, all sorts of things that will resonate with folks, hopefully, with their own lives and their own experience with, you know, social media and living, you know, a public slash private life. So that's been one adventure, right, is unpacking that, getting lots of great input from our performers who have been unbelievably just helpful and resourceful in gathering ideas and what should we do here? I mean, Nick, do you, do you mind sharing with the audience how old you are? I am 22 years old. Recent college graduate, right? So Yeah, I graduated this past May. Yeah. yeah college is, thank you. <laughs> college has been a challenge, but you know... I got through it. I kicked its butt so hard that I graduated. Definitely, <laughs> Definitely dude. So Nick, our Romeo is, you know, smack dab in the, the Gen Z generation. Juliet as well. Another wonderful neurodivergent artist going on 20 years old, right? So where, you know, me and Megan, who are a little bit older, might be like, oh, wait, you know, what? What is relevant to the Romeo and Juliet generations of characters in our play to kind of go to our artists and say, help us out, you know, what is authentic? What is not authentic? You know, would you post this on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok? Because all of these things will appear in projections, either photography or video. We have to have a, a couple of interactive things. Like we have an interactive survey at intermission where, you know, do you ship Romeo and Juliet or do you ship Juliet and Paris? Kind of Romeo's romantic rival in the, in the play. Lest we forget Paris. He's a character who's often forgotten, but we feature Paris, which is so fun. So yeah, that has been a really exciting piece of the process. And then one other thing <laughs> is our cast, adding to the diversity of our cast, we also have lots of folks who have done Shakespeare a whole bunch. Like Nick, you have a lot of Shakespeare experience, yeah? Yeah. What, what Shakespeare have you done in the past? <laughs> okay, so I will say this is uh, my first show I've done my first Shakespeare production was Romeo and Juliet back in high school where I wanted to be Romeo but unfortunately I was new to the school so I got cast as citizen which I wasn't too happy about but but you know eight years later I got cast as Romeo and more to your question Max I've done plenty of others I've done Midsummer Night's Dream high school 2017 as Nick Bottom which is one of my favorite roles and I was in the Tempest with Epic Players, it was my first production with Epic Players as Tranquilo and Max was Stefano. So I had a great time being uh, two doofuses. <laughs> and I was also, we were also going to do a production with Mitzvah Night's Dream. I was Lysander. This was back in 2020, but the pandemic happened. But despite that, we were able to have one production on Zoom. It wasn't the best on Zoom. I don't think Zoom performances are, well, 
Zoom performances, they don't live up to stage performances, but we had fun despite it being a Zoom performance. And, awesome. Uh, and also one, sorry, Max. <laughs> and I forgot to mention, I was also Claudius in Hamlet. So Nick, you are one of our actors that has had a lot of great uh, Shakespeare experience. And yeah, that was how Nick and I met. That was my first epic production was our production of The Tempest. And we had a blast being the clowns of the play. That was so fun. And so then but we have folks on the other end. This is their first Shakespeare production. And for a couple folks, it's their first theater production period. So that has been really cool is getting perspectives from people of all sorts of background in, in terms of both theater in general and Shakespearean work to see how are you approaching this material? You know, how should we maybe approach this material to kind of adapt so that we are all collectively approaching it from a similar vantage point? And that's been a really cool adventure. We've really, I think, found some interest, I mean, things in the text that I got to tell you, Andrew, things I haven't heard before, things in the nurse's speeches, things in the friar's speeches, things in Romeo's speeches. I, each character has had these moments where I went, oh, yeah, like that is really cool. And so we hope that that's going to be part of the audience's experience, too, where you come, you like you were saying, a very familiar show, been done millions of times all over the world in so many ways you can't even count. Hopefully you come here and you hear even just one thing that maybe you never heard before or see one thing you didn't expect to see, because that's how it's been for us. We've been like, it feels like rediscovering this classic, which is really cool. That is fabulous. I love all that. Well, Nick, as our Romeo, I'm curious to know, is there a message or a thought that you're hoping the audiences will take away from this show? Oh, certainly. I would say, so I think one message, well, there's two actually. The first message we hope the audience will get out of is how this generation relies a lot on social media and how that can create problems and misinformation. And another, another message we hope the audience get out from is that Neurodiverse individuals are capable of so much and can create quality and entertaining theater production. I, I could have said it better myself, Nick. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I love those. I absolutely love put those on a t-shirt. Let's sell them at intermission. Like, yes, I love that. My final question for the first part of the interview, I'm going to throw to you, Max. And I'm curious to know who do you hope have access to the Epic Players production of Romeo and Juliet? Fantastic question. As an inclusive, neuroinclusive, and and we, we like to think of ourselves really as all inclusive. We hope it's accessible to to everyone. We really want to, members from the Shakespeare community to come out and enjoy this production. We want industry professionals to come out and see. Yeah, we can shift the stats. We can hire more neurodivergent artists in productions that maybe they weren't thinking that before, and hopefully now they're thinking it. We want all of our friends from the neurodivergent community and the neuroinclusive community to come out and celebrate with us and celebrate this 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 show even though it's it's got a, a kind of sad ending hopefully our message is positive and something we're we're even thinking of adding to the end of it is a little kind of little dance party at the end to kind of 
cut the tension and bring us all together as a community. Something Shakespeare would, would do at the end of a lot of his plays was have a, a, a kind of a jig for the audience to dance along to. And so we're kind of going to have a little Gen Z rave moment where we invite all the folks to participate, wave a glow stick, have some fun, raise the roof. However you feel like moving or participating, we welcome everyone and we hope so many people come see this show. second part of the interview by letting our listeners get to know the two of you a little bit better pick your brains if you will and i want to start with our regular first question which is what or who inspires you what playwrights composers or shows inspire you or just some of your favorites and nick can i start with you on that sure i would say some uh an actor that that inspired me a lot is robin williams and I really, yeah, bless his soul. He was he was an amazing man, an amazing actor and everything. Yeah, I would say with about Robert Williams, he really knew how to show off his talent, creativity to everyone around the world. And I would say my mom loved him so much. He's like, he's like the legend that, that no one can top. And, and there are a lot of plays I love. One play is by Noel Noel Coward, Prison Laughter, and who's and Kevin Klein starred in that play. This was back in 2017, so it was a treat my parents gave me. So what I loved about the play is the comedy and how witty it was. I'm very much of a I'm more of a comedy person, but you know, tragedies you got to do them too. You have to be uh, capable to to do tragedies and comedies. I think that is a wonderful list right there. And I think you en- encapsulated your final thought there with your first, you know, inspiration of Robin Williams. He could brilliantly do both tragedy and comedy, which is why he was just, he's, he's someone that can never be recreated. It's a great, <laughs> great inspiration. Max, how about you? What are who inspires you? It is. That is a question. I feel like that changes all the time, but (laughs) certainly I love our chat about Robin Williams because that absolutely agreed 100% on all of that. Very inspired by Robin. But in addition, in terms of playwriting, I love Tom Stoppard's plays. I love how much Stoppard loves the theater and is constantly riffing on it. And uh, I don't know. I, I find that, you know, I, I like that so much. I try to find ways to turn theater on its head if I can. I have a lot of love for uh, for the living theater, for Julian Beck and Judith Molina. I was very fortunate to to briefly work in a, in a on a project uh, with Judith uh, near the end of her life. And that was just one of the great moments of theater experience. I just feel so, so blessed to to have gotten to meet her and you know just oh such a such an influence i'll never forget uh because how that all transpired is judith came to my school while i was studying 
and the living gave a presentation and I was a freshman when they gave this presentation and Judith said, look, felt like she was looking everybody in the eye in that auditorium and said, if you're going to do art, make it matter, have a message, change what you see around you to make a better world. And that hit me in the face like a ton of bricks. It was like, uh, have always been, particularly since that moment. I remember my dad was quite a creative hippie back in the day. And so I knew the about the living growing up. And then to kind of have a moment with them was, it changed me. So certainly those two. Let's see, who else? Steve Martin. I love Steve Martin. I love folks that, because I, I, like Nick said, we were in a Shakespeare production together. I love to perform. I like to wear different hats. It's great to storytell as a director. It's also great to storytell as, as an actor, right? Yeah. Different scope, but we're kind of sharing the journey together. We're looking at different things, right? The actor's looking at the, the micro, the director's looking more at the macro. And so I, I'm always taken by artists that can kind of share in different ways of thinking about storytelling. So certainly Steve Martin is massive in that. And he makes me laugh, <laughs> which I love. And actually, Nick, you and I were talking, uh, and I hope you don't mind me mentioning Nick. I don't think you will, because we've, we've been friends for a while. Uh, another inspiration that I know Nick and I share is Stallone. Yes. Right? Sylvester, Stallone, Sylvester Stallone. Which is kind of a, a, a Nick doppelganger. The minute I say, Nick, you know, who do you think you look like? Stallone. And I couldn't agree yeah. more. Nick, you totally have a, a, have a bit of a Stallone. Totally see it. And also uh, Al Pacino. We can't forget Al a little bit of Al too, for sure. But the reason I bring up Stallone is, as we were talking about Rocky the other day, right, dude? And yeah. Stallone wrote that story, right? And then starred in it. So definitely somebody that, that we both admire in that way, for sure. I love that. And listeners, I, I, I have to emphasize, Nicholas really does look like a young Sylvester Stallone. It is yeah. uncanny. <laughs> so when we have the remake of the original Rocky and you see Nick Amadio starring in it, you heard him first here on Stage Whisper. We got it on the yeah. ground floor. <laughs> <Woo -hoo. laughs> well, let me ask the two of you, you know, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? And Max, let me start with you on that. My favorite part about working in the theater, I think is the chance to work with so many different kinds of artists. I love working with other directors. I love working with actors. I love working with musicians. I love working with visual artists. One of the cool things that's been kind of new for me in this production, because at least in terms of my work with Epic, I've done a lot of assistant directing, but now, you know, having kind of more responsibility to look at even a, a bigger picture than before. I'm working with designers in a way that I haven't in the past. And that has been thrilling working with lights and projections to create an effect that we hope kind of feels like magic. That's one of my favorite things. I love finding ways to stretch myself as an artist and as a storyteller. And so that's always very exciting. I feel like every time I get involved in a production, I'm learning new things on the job, in the moment, needing to adapt and it's always an adventure for that reason. The wonderful answer. I love that. Nick, how about you? What is your favorite part about working in the theater? The best part about working in the theater is working with my friends and not only with my friends, but with new people and new faces. And 
and when we and every day in rehearsal we just feel more close and close more closer and closer and we become a family we become family nothing beats family and and i love playing characters that are different from myself as the actor i love that and i mean let's be real theater's family that it's not yeah. just community it's family you you might run the show for like two or three weeks but you've made family forever that you'll talk to you might run into this on the street like three years later and boom like you pick up right where you left off so a brilliant answer i love that in fact it leads me to ask my favorite question to ask guests and i'm very excited to learn both of yours and that is what is your favorite theater memory I know, Max, uh, our performance as Trinculo and Stefano, we can't forget that one. <laughs> but Nick, whatever my answer becomes, it is tied with that. I absolutely yeah. agree. Getting to work with you for the first time, the magic of that, dude, we made some really amazing stuff happen on stage. So, yes, sorry. You can keep going, Nick, because ditto. Just ditto. Oh, yes, ditto. And I would say... Playing as Nick Bottom back in high school, that was that would have to be my first main role. Well, not main role, but like first big role in a in a Shakespeare play. And I also played Peter in Peter and the Starcatcher with Epic Players uh, back in 2019. So I felt like that was the first main role I had in my acting career. That is a wonderful memory. I love that. What a great role what great roles I should say right there. Thank you for sharing those, Nick. That's so wonderful. Anytime. All right, and Max, me, how about you? Oh man, for me, there's so many wonderful moments, but the one that's like really just like emerging right now in my mind and I, it's saying, don't ignore me, say this. So I'm going to say it. <laughs> I was in a production of Romeo and Juliet. It was my first professional gig outside of school. And I got to play Romeo and that experience, man, there were highs and lows. Like you wouldn't believe. And I made some of my best friends in life in that production went out a few years ago to, to Tybalt's wedding and was in the wedding party. So that was pretty funny because I had murdered him on stage, but was that in his wedding? So that was fun. <laughs> Me and Mercutio still talk. Anytime we, we run in that cast, if we run into each other, which happens again, the New York theater community, like you said, it's a family. We're, we're pretty tight knit. It's amazing. Oh, you worked with so-and-so on that thing. And oh my gosh, so did I, I worked on this other thing. So, you know, I run into to folks from that cast more often than, than, than you'd think. And it's always like, wow, it's, you know, feels like no time has passed. It's, it's amazing. So that was certainly a very special, special moment where, yeah. So this, this feels really cool too, is like Nick and I are good friends to see him be Romeo and to be involved in that collaboratively. It feels, ooh, so that's, that's the one that's coming up for me now. Cause I feel like I'm having a deja vu moment in my life, which is just, you know, you don't, you don't get that every day. That's a pretty special thing. So I'm feeling pretty good about that answer. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Another fantastic memory. I'm so glad that you and Tipple put, patched things up that you got invited to his wedding. We did. We did. <laughs> <laughs> now, thank you both for sharing those memories. Those were so wonderful. Fabulous. Do either of you have any other projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? 
Sure. In December, we're going to hold, there will be auditions for, for a musical Spring Awakening. Yeah, um, I am familiar with the musical. I saw it at the Kennedy Center back in January. And we encourage everyone to audition and also to support it, to support the, the show. It's going to be in the springtime. Amazing. Ah, amazing. Cannot wait for this. Oh, amazing. And Nick, you took you took my plug. I was going to plug Spring Awakening as well, my dude. So that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and definitely, you know, check out our website, epicplayersnyc.org, because we also have all sorts of really fun showcases and cabarets that we do around the city if you want to come see. And, and workshops, of course, yes, uh, and workshops. Or if you want to check out Epic Players, because again, you know, we love having folks come in and want to be part of this community. So definitely check out our website. Check out Spring Awakening next spring. And please come see Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Tickets are on sale. Yes. And you both have like set me up perfectly for my final question, which is if our listeners want more information about your production of Romeo and Juliet or about either of you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so? You've already mentioned epicplayersnyc.org. Is there any other way they can reach out to the two of you? Nick, uh, I believe the, you have a website, yeah? Yeah, I have a Wix website. <clears throat> I also have Instagram, Nicholas Amadio. It's, uh, Nicholas Amadio Wix, W-I-X. And everything should be on there. My Instagram is nicholas.amadio. Max, is there any Instagram handles or websites you'd like to drop? Yes. So Instagram, you can follow me at Max Saudish, B-A-U-D as in dog, I-S-C-H. Also, if you are checking out interesting avant-garde theater in the tri-state area and you see something that has been produced by Mind Cannon, M-I-N-E-D-C-A-N-O-N, I am probably involved in that production as well. And please come check it out. We just did, well, not just, but back in the turn, about January, December-ish, we did a really cool show called Peep Backslash Show, which was a kind of a deconstruction of the Peep Show idea, but really talked about chronic pain and how to, you know, kind of address your pain and, and to to accept it and to, you know, see it from different perspectives. So that was really cool. I, I directed that show with a collaborator, Elizabeth Whiteson, who I work often with. And, and she was the single performer behind glass and the audience sat outside. So very interesting new stuff, trying to switch up the form, having some fun. So check out Mind Cannon. Follow me on Instagram. Nice. I love all that. Well, Max, Nick, thank you both so much for stopping by today and sharing this incredible show in this incredible new style. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. So thank you two so much. And thank you for inviting us to your podcast. Seriously, Andrew, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Thank you both. My guests today have been the co-director, Max Bowdish, and the performer, Nick Amadio, who are part of Epic Players' presentation of Romeo and Juliet. It's playing November 9th through the 19th at the ARTNY Girl Theater. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting epicplayers.ticketspice.com. And we also have some great contact information 
for our guests, which we'll be posting on our episode description, as well as on our social media posts. But make sure you don't miss out on this great version of this classic tale being presented by Epic Players. We will certainly be in attendance, and we'll let you know that date when we're attending so you can join us out for a night at the theater, a stage whisper night out at the theater. But for your memory, to commit it to memory, it's Romeo and Juliet playing November 9th through the 19th. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our brand new website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.